Welcome to the Magic and Alchemy podcast, where we talk about witchcraft, setting intentions, forgotten folklore, and mythology. Created by Tamed Wild, magicandalchemy.com is a collection of stories, rituals, and articles crafted by a variety of creators and writers, including myself, Kristen Lisenby, and my co-host, Kate Ballou. Hello, and welcome back to the Magic and Alchemy podcast. I'm Kristen Lisenby. And I'm Kate Ballou. It's been a while, Kate, like a month or so (laughs) since I've seen your face in real time. How are you doing? Where are you? Um, What's happening in your life this summer? I've really missed you, A. Um, It's nice to be here. I'm really looking forward to season three. But, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I've been traveling a lot. I'm back in Brooklyn now, um, which is really nice to be home. But spent some really relaxing time in northern Michigan with my family and also been pretty busy with my astrology studies with Rebecca Gordon and my herbalism apprenticeship with Robin Rose, who you know, but Mm -hmm. more on those things this fall, just really kind of enjoying the magic of summer. But what about you? Well, that all sounds really amazing. Um, I've just been gardening and writing, um, definitely moving at a much slower pace than I normally do, which Mm -hmm. feels really good right now. But I don't know, just trying to be outside and around plants and dirt and the ocean and all the things I miss so much at winter because even though it's still hot and summery right now where I am, you know, harvest season has, you know, begun. So we're only a month or so away from the start of the dark months. Not ready. Um, Yeah, it happens fast. But I can't wait to talk more about Harvest Time Magic with you, but also with our guest today, fellow artist and witch, Caitlin Barone. That's right. Caitlin was first on Magic and Alchemy in season one, where we talked about art and magic and motherhood. So head there for that interview if you haven't heard it. But for her official introduction here, Caitlin is a New York-based educator, mother, and art witch. A lover of flowers and folklore since childhood, Caitlin believes that nature and mysticism inspire creative expression in a way that feels organic, playful, and of course, a bit witchy. Alongside her partner and my co-host, Kristen Lisenby, Caitlin founded the witch-owned independent publishing house, Pointy Hat Press. With an emphasis on fairy tales and folklore, reimagined their first children's book series, The Little Witch series, explores nostalgia, sabbats, and the magic that exists betwixt and between each season of life. As partners, friends, and fellow storytellers, Caitlin and Kristen are dedicated to exploring paganism and witchcraft through a modern lens while creating timeless tales for witches of all ages. Caitlin has a BA in art and art history, a master's in art education, and is a certified art teacher in New York State. In addition to creating books, Caitlin works as a freelance illustrator, contributing to companies and publications like Tamed Wild and Llewellyn Worldwide. Although she wears many hats, Caitlin is most grateful to be a mother to her very own little witch. 
You might also know Caitlin from Instagram, where she goes by Flower Child Arts. Hi, Caitlin. Hi, thank you so much for having me again. Yeah, thanks for being here. Welcome back. Yeah, it's so good to see you. Me too. And before we begin, what are your big three in astrology? I'm a Sagittarius sun, Pisces moon, and a Leo rising. Amazing. Um, So I know that you and Kristen started a book press called Pointy Hat Press, and that you're coming out with a magically minded book for witches of all ages called Little Witch Host Sow and Supper. I cannot wait for my own copy to arrive. Can you share a little bit about this project and how you conceptualize quote unquote children's books? Yeah. So, well, first of all, this was definitely a project that I could not have done without Kristen. Um, Chris, likewise, <laughs> y'all are so cute. We are. <laughs> We're like a couple. Um, but you know. <laughs> And I really do feel that way. I feel like Kristen is kind of my other half, like artistically. She has Mm -hmm. words for everything I can articulate. And she just finds meaning and connection in so many beautiful ways. I just, I'm always blown away by what she brings to our projects. Mm, Thank you. I just love you. (laughs) So, um, the more we talked and conceptualized what we wanted to do, the more it became clear that we both shared the same vision. We share an interest in experiencing nostalgia and working with it in our writing and our artwork. I love art and books that transcend time, um, works that not only grow with you from childhood into adulthood, but also transport you back to childhood. I think that was Mm. really important to both Kristen and I, as we were creating Little Witch and really coming up with the whole um, concept. Yeah. And I think uh, Little Witch, Hosau and Supper being the first book in the series worked out really perfectly because out of all the seasons, there's just something about autumn that embodies the nostalgic feeling that we wanted to share with the readers. Yeah. It's like physically in the air. Yes. Mm-hmm. It makes a ton of sense. Yes. It's like a tingling sensation when you're just out and about. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah. And, and so what is the book about? Little Witch Hosau and Supper is a rhyming story about a little witch who is hosting her first dumb supper, which I know you've talked about on the podcast before, but um, a dumb mm-hmm. supper, for those of you who don't know, is a silent supper that people would host around Samhain and other times when the veil was thin to welcome home ancestral ghosts. So this is a story about autumn, family, familiars, fairies, kitchen witchery, Mm -hmm. and remembering those who came before us. And so we've spoke about this a little bit before, just um, as friends outside Mm -hmm. of the podcast, but there's something about this genre of, of books that really calls to all ages, which is why I put those quotes around children's books in my earlier questions. And so what do you think it is about this medium that can speak to so many people? Well, we realized as we were developing Little Witch that she's really our inner child, our inner Little Witch. She's an Mm -hmm. archetype for us. Um, When we 
decided that she was really an archetype, I think that's when it really blew up in our minds, like what this meant to us and what she could mean to other people. Um, Mm -hmm. Because she's an archetype of the inquisitive, imaginative child who sees magic everywhere. And I think she calls to all ages because she's the little witch that we once were and that still lives within us. For me, I think little witch is a metaphor for that unbridled joy and imagination where we experience when we're young. Mm-hmm. And I think there's so many books from our childhood that evoke those warm memories of simpler times, but also possess a sense of adult wisdom at the same time. And I think yeah. we really wanted to capture that and create something our inner little witch would want to read and that we as an adult would also want to read and then reconnect with her. Yeah. And, you know, we call the Little Witch series a children's book series, but, you know, we're all doing air quotes here right now because uh, we never intended these stories to strictly be for children or anyone of a specific age. Um, You know, as you know, Kate, and I'm sure our listeners do as well, stories speak to us differently, like each time we read them. Um, And for me now as an adult revisiting the fairy tales and books that I loved as a child, it's just been like I can never figure out like the right word, like eye opening or validating or just like really valuable Um, And of course, it's just been so nostalgic, which has really been our muse and source of magic um, throughout this entire process. I know what you mean. I just reread Wise Child by Monica Furlong not too long ago. Mm -hmm. And um, I know that you've loved that book, too. And it it, Mm nostalgia is a muse, I think, is such a beautiful idea. And what do you think it is about nostalgia? Like, why is there so much magic there? For me, even though it's different, I think it is similar to ancestor magic in that it's a Mm -hmm. way to honor the past, but you're kind of honoring a past self. And I think a lot about um, my own family traditions, um, saving possessions and then passing them down, which is super important to us. And like, it's kind of dark, but we, we laugh because my great aunt who I have a very good relationship with and have for a very long time, she'll always say like in her heavy New York, New York accent, something like, you know, when I die, you can have my dresser, (laughs) you know, I know you'll appreciate it. And my mother says it all the time. Like, you know, you better come to my bedroom and go through my stuff. Like, don't let, you know, so, so and so take it, you need to take it. And, um, Mm -hmm. so, and it's really funny too, because in our book, we have a character named great grandma Rose. And I was also very close to my great grandmother. So I'm very close to my great aunt. And I was very close to my great grandmother. And I have a lot of her belongings that were given to me from my mother at different times in my life. Things like thimbles and perfume bottles, which I actually use as inspiration for one of the pages in the book. So Mm -hmm. the veneration for ancestry that's expressed in the book really resonates deeply in my life. And it it always has. Um, My my mother instilled that in me. And um, I just cherish so many of their things. I have 
baby sweaters that my grandmother knit me, that my great grandmother knit me. I have her needles, her pin cushions, her doilies. Um, I have a pillowcase from my great great grandmother that has oh. um, her initials AF engraved, um, not engraved, but uh, embroidered and crocheted <laughs> into mm. it. And my daughter's initials are AF, Anna Freya. Her middle name is Freya. So that's always, oh, that's yeah, so special. I love it so much. And that's always on her bed. And it just feels like a protective object because it was not only, you know, belonged to someone on the maternal side of my family, but she also made it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And to add um, to what, you know, you were saying, Caitlin, I know we've had this discussion before, but it was really important to us um, that our readers feel some sort of way when they pick up this book. Um, I don't think a story comes alive without emotion. And so we really hope that readers can feel the love that's been poured into this project. Um, And as you both know, we often talk about witchcraft as like a ritual of remembering. And I think nostalgia or working with nostalgia in our craft in some way can be like a really great addition to our spell books. And I want to toss this question back at you, Kate, if you don't mind. Yeah. Um, I know like us, you love revisiting your childhood bedroom and like rediscovering these old books in your mom's attic or basement. And I'm just curious, like, why do you think there's so much magic and nostalgia? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I just, I love what Caitlin was just saying about like sort of artifacts and these sort of objects that carry stories too, like much like illustrations or poems or words mm-hmm. um as you were saying that i was looking at this letter that i have on my desk and it's from grandma joan and it's like the last letter i got from her Aww. but on the back of it mm-hmm. here she's talking about the cedar chest <laughs> that was passed down to her that she's like make sure you get it <laughs> like make sure yeah. that you have it and the sort of like you know way to pass on the stories and remember the stories that are associated with them but and on honoring her belongings it's a way of honoring her and i think it keeps the memory mm-hmm. alive and every day mm-hmm. that you cherish those things you know you continue to cherish the memories of that person and it's it's so interesting how it's a two way street because you know for your for your grandmother it meant a lot to her that you had that so it's it's a they're portals it's it's just like Mm -hmm. the stories are portals and like it's a it's a way to keep that communication going and and moving forward even beyond us ourselves you know and working with an ancestor is about your connection to them and keeping up that conversation almost and that communication and here you have like these beautiful things that allow you to keep their presence with you so that you can do that. It's just, it's really, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. It's really interesting too, to like think about nostalgia as something that like reaches back into the past, but also into the future at the same time. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I found this old notebook when I was home, like you were saying, Kristen, going through my things and I wrote a letter to my future self and, and Caitlin, I think that you have one too, but the sort of like, (laughs) you know, this is what I imagine this, the self is doing. And in some ways, a knowledge of already what would be true or what could be true and that sort of possibility. And, you know, I've had dreams of going back to speaking to that same 
child, that same sort of setting and, and kind of like it, it just, I don't know, creates this really nice, nice circle and way to, way to connect. Um, but I think that, you know, the wisdom of, of children and also our childhood selves have just so much to share with us and to add poignant perspectives into what we're doing. And, you know, I think that also play and, and joy are just magical fodder, basically, for all of this. And yeah, my childhood bookshelves are just so instructive of that place that I love. Like, I'm like, oh my gosh, Bruce Coville and the unicorns. Like, I need to go back and revisit that place. Magic. Mm -hmm. And the self, too, who we like were before we became self-conscious or aware of the world and like all of the conditioning that came along with that. Um, mm -hmm. But what about you? Where do you see nostalgia magic in the witchy world and also, how might you suggest that someone connect in with with those spaces? For me, I love the holidays. And I think that the holidays are really a quintessential nostalgia magic time uh, because they're so ritualized. Um, people celebrate them the same way every year. They revisit traditions. Um, they gather with family. They cook specific foods or the same foods. They speak or sing the same songs and prayers. Um, and again, it's another a uh, way to pass down tradition. Um, I know, you know, for me, uh, receiving decorations or things like that were really important when I was like moving out. It was almost like a rite of passage. You know, my mom was like, here, here's the box of childhood, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, and it was like, you know, just very like special. Um, and I think it's a really potent mm -hmm. time to revisit traditions that you really liked as a kid. Um, even if it feels silly to do it as an adult, I know so many people that still do pumpkin carving and do tons of things like that. So I don't think it's raises. Yeah. Hand. Same. Yes. <laughs> All of yeah us. So, you know, it's, it's not silly, you know, it's, it's actually really, um, I think cathartic and fun. And you can also, as an adult, you know, you're not just an observer anymore, you know, as a child, you know, you can rewrite the way that you want to celebrate holidays, which I can definitely relate to as, you know, embracing a more um, pagan path throughout the past um, 18 years. Like I've, you know, added holidays to my, to my year. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I will second everything you just said. Like, I think there's so much nostalgia and holidays and food. Um, but I'd also like to add music. Um, I think we've talked about this before. Mm -hmm. I have no idea what episode it was, but uh, I've mentioned that I love to use like my emotional response, um, especially nostalgia as a muse in my creative process. And so when I'm feeling sort of blah, one of my favorite things to do is go to this website. It's called thenostalgiamachine.com. And you put in a year from when, you know, you were like in middle school or high school and it populates a list of the hit songs and music videos from that year um, and these songs you know even if they weren't like your favorite jams at the time are such nostalgic portals um, like you can tell yourself you're 30 years old sitting at your desk you know working but mentally you're like the 13 year old kid attending your first dance uh, in the school gymnasium which is hopefully a good memory <laughs> but if not choose a different year i need um, to try that yeah i've never heard of that website you I'm should do that. yeah 
During um, quarantine, my cousin and sister and I, we would pick a different album that was nostalgic and all press play at the same time and just tell each other we were all having like a a dance party wherever we were. (laughs) And I just vividly remember M2M, like Mirror Mirror. That was a really good album. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. I, I go like really far back to when Backstreet Boys were on cassette. And I had that on my Walkman. I mean, that's that is my happy place. Like their first album, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Must clarify. Yes, yes their first album. <laughs> So do you both do inner child work? And this is like a couple of words I think that get thrown around a lot. So I'm wondering, like, does this label resonate with you? And like, what might you suggest to someone who's looking to connect with their inner child? I don't think that I necessarily label it because it's so, but I guess you could label it that because it's so kind of a part of, you know, my life. Like I just said, I love to put Backstreet Boys on. Same as Kristen. I love, I love music that brings me back. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And, um, but you know, for me, I, I think I mostly think back to the parts of, of her, of that version of me that I want to channel in my adult life. Um, I let myself pick up pretty rocks as, every Mm self-identified witch does. (laughs) Um, I like scrapbook because I did that a lot as a kid, engage with nature the same way that I did. Um, And it's really important to me to fulfill the dreams that she had. And I want to find joy in the small things. I want to dance. I want to, you know, watch Disney, which now I get to do all the time because of my daughter. And I love that. Um, But what I really work on doing is just giving her a voice in my life and a place. And I can kind of honor this like little inner witch inside by maybe doing the things she didn't have the confidence to do or she was too scared to do Um, because I was very shy when I was a kid. Like sometimes I didn't even talk. And now I don't stop talking. (laughs) Um, But, you know, I think we stray uh, from that person, especially when we're teenagers and, you know, we're kind of having a hard time and we're kind of the worst. I'm just, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But I found that um, I really came back to myself in my twenties and even more so in my thirties. And I think that has a lot to do with coming back to your first loves as we were talking about Mm -hmm. music and and other things. And I think that's really beautiful and also gratifying. And now that, you know, I'm an adult, I feel really comfortable to live out the me that I always wanted to be. And I think I always was, but as I said, you can kind of lose yourself somewhere in the middle and then you loop around and you come back to those beginnings. Mm. And it feels so good, right? Like when you do come back you're like, why did I stray yeah, from this? Yeah. You know, in especially the first place. when I started to frame it within like my first loves, you know, like the things that I, mm-hmm. in, that gave me joy that didn't have, there was no other purpose, but then to just enjoy it and feel free and get some kind of gratification out of it that had nothing to do with work or any of those other boring adult things <laughs> that we have to do. <laughs> yeah. 
Absolutely. And I just think like this whole endeavor, Little Witch Books is like definitely inner child work. It's almost like an offering to the inner child. Um, but to answer your question, Kate, like the expression inner child work has never really resonated with me. I don't know if it's just kind of like overused or I feel like I'm trying to be a psychologist or something. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's why we call her like the inner little witch because it just feels like more authentic. Um, but either way, you know, it's, it's a practice in remembering, you know, the work that we're doing. Um, but we actually wrote a piece for Witchology Magazine's autumn issue um, about nostalgia magic and how to work with it. And in there, we mentioned how um, in the beginning, it can be helpful to think of our inner little witch as an archetype, you know, like we've mentioned a few times. Um, but similar to the maiden, the inner little witch can be our archetype for playfulness and curiosity. And I just like to keep like a picture of her aka me like <laughs> on my altar or like on my desk so she's on my mind throughout the day um you know we can talk with her and write her letters like you both talked about doing um make offerings like a favorite meal or like reread a book she used to love because i think before like the inner little witch comes back into our world she wants us to revisit hers um which is really fun Oh, that just gave me truth bumps. Mm. I love that a lot. I'm excited for that article, too. That'll be really cool. Yeah. Um, I was born in 1993, so the 90s and early 2000s really strike a chord with me um, as we're speaking all about this. But I would love for both of you to list off some things that you think of as magical that someone might not associate with witches immediately. So, like, for example... Polly Pocket, Fern Gully, the Spice Girls, Sky Dancers. Well, you just listed some of my favorite things because I, <laughs> <laughs> I loved the Spice Girls. Um, Polly Pockets, yes. I my mom just found some of my Polly Pockets up in the attic and she gave them to my daughter. And so I'm going to play with them um, <laughs> with her. They're just so fun. Um, yeah, I loved Fern Gully. Um, I also loved mm -hmm. Thumbelina. <gasps> yes. Yeah. Sorry, the mole. Um, <laughs> as I mentioned before, like my Walkman was so important to me. Um, every time it broke, my mom literally like had to run out and get another one because I was always carrying around my cassettes with my music. And that mm -hmm. was just like my little escape to put my headphones on. So I love that. Yeah. I'll add, um, I'm going to just like, yeah, Polly Pockets, absolutely. Probably one of the most nostalgic toys um, I can think of. Uh, but also a hula hoop. Mm -hmm. I'm super big into hula hooping. I still have a hula hoop. Um, like the whole R.L. Stein Goosebumps, like Christopher Pike series, like, you know, if you know, you know, those were really big for me. <laughs> um also the Golden Girls, like I know it's random, but it's just like a dream coven. And I used to watch it all the time as a kid, which it's like not a really like a kid appropriate show, but I didn't realize that at the time. Um, I can see this. I also think, yes. <laughs> I also think just like playing dress up, mm. like it's absolutely like a way to practice embodiment, which I know we've talked about before. And as children, I feel like it's almost like natural instinct to play dress up. It, it's true. It really is. I have a whole dress up drawer for Anna. And whenever she 
pretends to cook. She has to put her chef hat on, her apron on. And as you both, you both have probably seen, she puts her witch hat on and walks around the house, Mm -hmm. like with her baby stroller. Like she's just obsessed with that hat. And I'm like, yes. (laughs) (laughs) My work here is done. (laughs) Mission accomplished. (laughs) Oh yeah. We had like a whole whole like world up in the woods behind our house. It was like Avalon and it had all these rules and governments and houses and different trees. And I had to text my friend Jules about it not too long ago because I was thinking about it. But dress up, it's like a form of glamour magic probably, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you guys still dress up for Halloween? Oh, yeah. Me me too. (laughs) Me too. Of course. course. (laughs) We have big plans for this fall. I'm excited. I can't wait to see Oh, you're going to be at the Sabbath retreat, huh? Yeah. The Teamed Wild Sabbath retreat. Mm. Yeah, but I base all of our Halloween costumes off of Cody's mustache. <laughs> oh, that's smart. <laughs> so like we've it. done Sunny and Cher, and mm-hmm. we've done um, Morticia and Gomez. So stay tuned Perfect. to this fall. Iconic. <laughs> Iconic figures. I love it. But... um. Caitlin, you are an artist and a photographer on top of being just a downright magical witch woman. So how do you see illustration at play here as as well as photography? Well, there's a really popular quote from Picasso. It's like insanely overused by every every art teacher. <laughs> um, it's He says, every child is an artist. The problem is how to remain an artist once we grow up. And I'm sure many people have seen this circul- circulating around Pinterest and, and on many memes. But um, I think it's so poignant to what we're talking about. Um, and there's many interpretations for this quote. And I've talked a lot about different motivations for art making, like the monetary extrinsic motivation, because we all need to work. We need to make money. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think the creative process um, should constantly be fueled by intrinsic motivation. And that's really what it's like being a child. Um, They want to play. Really, that's really what it comes down to. And playing with art making is what the process is about. You know, you have to put your skill aside and your discipline aside, even though those are really important, and make space for spontaneity, playfulness, uh, risk-taking, you know, rule-breaking, imagination. And you really need to let the child take over sometimes. And that's really what I try to do when I'm drawing for Little Witch or, or drawing for anything. I really want to channel so many of the things that we talked about, so many of the things that inspired me and motivated me to even get to this place now, you know, like I was telling you guys earlier when we weren't recording, I found that story I wrote when I was in 1998, when I was seven years old, you know, me 20 years from now. And I said, I wanted to be an artist and be in nature and be in, you know, somewhere where I would be inspired to draw and all these things. And, you know, I, I come back to these little stories every now and then. And, it's just a reminder of, yes, that, that really was who you are and you're doing some of it, you know, not all of it, but like the essence of that story that I wrote really is who I wanted to be. And I'm starting to, you know, become that. 
So I don't know if that answers the question. I feel like I went on a tangent, but yeah, that was so beautiful. Yeah. Thank Mm -hmm. you for that. So I have to ask, what is next for Little Witch Books? I've just been loving all of the Instagram magic that you two have been making, especially that post for Diana yesterday. Thank you. Yeah, we share a lot of like little folklore and tidbits and stories on our Instagram. Um, also via our newsletter, like more extended ones. So if anyone's interested um, in that, you can sign up on our at our website, littlewitchbooks.com or follow us on Instagram um, at littlewitchbooks. But yeah, we have the Yule book. So the second um, in the Little Witch series, which will be coming out next year. Um, and then some other happenings this harvest season that I'll leave everyone wondering about for now. But yeah, lots of stuff coming down the pipeline that we're excited to share. Love a surprise. Mm-hmm. And so beyond the newsletter and Instagram and Caitlin, um, where can our listeners connect with with you and and also purchase one of these books? Well, as Kristen mentioned, we are selling our book for a pre-order on littlewitchbooks.com. So you can order your book and expect it to ship sometime throughout the harvest season. Um, Again, you can connect with us um, at littlewitchbooks on Instagram. That's probably the best place as I think uh, also thank you for saying you love our Instagram. We work so hard at it. Um, (laughs) You can tell it's beautiful. Thank you so much. And later this year, you can purchase it in bookstores and witchy shops, including the Tamed Wild website. Thank you so much for joining us today on Magic and Alchemy, Caitlin and listeners, a podcast from Tamed Wild. Again, we're Kate Ballou and Kristen Lizenby. You can find us online at K8Baloo and at East and Alchemy. Send us all of your questions, comments, or just say hello via email at podcast at tamedwild.com. You can view all the amazing offerings from Tamed Wild on their Instagram at Tamed Wild or on the blog tamedwild.com, previously known as magicandalchemy.com. Have a wonderful summer, witches. We'll be back next month, just in time for Maybon and the fall equinox. Just a reminder that magic and alchemy are always available to those who know where to look for it. So mode it be or something better. Until next time. <laughs>